Just a friendly reminder that the opinions expressed on this show are not worth a Canadian penny, so disregard anything you hear that might get anyone in trouble. And despite some of the great ideas you may hear, don't try them at home. Go to friend's house instead. Listeners, this is Slamfire Radio, episode 244 for February 15th, 2018. I'm one of your hosts, Brian the Conquistador. I am Trevor the Frelate. And I'm Kelly Lynn the Classy One. I'm not so sure. After our conversation this week, creepy came to mind, really. Creepy? Yeah. When she told you some choice words and what to do? No, it was it was how much she enjoyed the creepy posts that she was receiving. That, that means I think she's creepy. Hey, I was oh, the only she was one enjoying... that received it. <laughs> right, got but it you too. En- yes, but oh, that post. <laughs> yes, the Galentines. Happy yes. Galentines Day. Go get yourself checked, Jason. I was not gonna go get, have that. No, I wasn't oh, gonna name names. I know one of our friends is going to. Oh, I can squirrel. The cocking indicator on my Bacale 20 gauge is, is up, which means that the hammer is under spring tension. I'll have to remember to address that. Um, yeah, Jay Hines is going to rip his arms off. Okay. Why? Um, because, well, he sent the um, happy Valentine's Day picture to, Hi- uh, to uh, Hines. Okay. I was lucky. I did not. Anyway, it's all good. <laughs> why, I, would I you, why would you take a creepy... A creepy picture of yourself with a rose in your teeth and I get <laughs> that he sends it to Kelly and I and I get that he sends it to Stacy but why would he send it to boys um, I think because of the reaction we're having right now I think we're actually feeding him exactly what he wants hmm I don't want to feed him anything except maybe some arsenic <laughs> yeah soaked in mm-hmm. diesel fuel yes all right anyway should we get on to what we did in guns what about Adriel hi Adriel why aren't you here? If yeah, you're sending us messages, you, you should be able to come on the show. Just saying. It's because you hate people. Um, and I, still <laughs> I was going to say that he's home with a sick child, but if you want to say he hates people. Oh, is this child sick? See, no, all those but it's messages that you sent yeah. yesterday, all those messages, you know, way to, you know way to the be classy, of them. Yeah. I didn't listen I'm to s- any of them, so sorry. <laughs> I'm standing by my previous comment about your nickname. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So what we did in guns is brought to you this week, as always, by the Calgary Shooting Center, Ca- Canada's premier firearms retailer. And this week they have a sale on Trujicon RMR Red Dots. Get your red dot get your red dot on for cheaper than normal. That's a really good price. I clicked on it because I bought a red dot recently. It was good. And yeah, the the sales are between a hundred and fifty and two hundred bucks or two twenty on yeah. the regular retail price. So that really that's good. not nothing. That's no. something. It's not now. If your pistol does not have a um, what are they called? MOS or AOS? Mm-hmm. There's a special name when your pistol has a plate on the back that you can remove and screw yeah. your right dot directly to the slide. Um, yeah, not so good with the letters being a, a French dyslexic. But anyway, <laughs> if if the if you don't have that plate, 
um, that's removable, you can get a mount that slides into your rear dovetail. And there are two companies making them, EGW mm-hmm. and Henning. And Henning makes them for the Trigicon RMR, and you can get those uh, through Denis. Um, they just came into the country through the distributor. And we've got two or three coming. We're putting one on somebody's Shadow 2, and we're putting an EGW one on Chris's um, FN, FNS, which uh, will be pretty cool. So that makes your gun, if you're an Ipsic shooter, those mounts have been approved in the production optics division. And because they don't require any, you can change the sights on your gun in production and remain in production provided they don't require any gunsmithing. Um, so because you just drift out the rear sight and drift in the mount, that's considered same same rules apply as just swap out your sights. So if you want to hop into production optics, one of those mounts and one of those Trigicon RMRs from the Calgary Shooting Center will get you there. Now, why didn't I know that there was a production optics division? Because it's brand new, uh, and it is um, preliminary. It's, I think that's what they call it. It's not a preliminary. It's a. It's. It's. They're testing it for it's a year, basically. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. But it. But it's here to stay. SummerSlam is actually the first level three match to offer a production optics division. I um, made it. Um, on the. Um, I knew it was coming, so I added it to the registration form, and people were like, "What? This is a thing? I didn't even know this was a thing." So that's so cool. Awesome. I, yeah. I think that's that's good because um, there's some people, especially like older shooters, um, they like Trevor. the dots because of their eyes. <laughs> I'm not naming names, but they don't want to get pumped. I'm the, the youngest one on the show right now. <laughs> Carry on, Brian. Hey, You're listeners, right. Have a look at all the hosts. Nobody's going to believe you. <laughs> <laughs> No, which one seems youngest and oldest? You know, anyway. chronological age and age of maturation are often not the same thing. I'm living proof, and I'm proud of that. I try not to act my age. It's yeah, or look your age. Apparently, yeah, I've always kind of looked younger than I do. Anyway, anyway, yeah. it is what it is, and that's one of the reasons the beard doesn't work because it makes me look my age. Uh-huh. He's not allowed to wear a beard. If if girl. only I had not lost my hair and turned gray, I wouldn't look older than I am. (laughs) 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 So you're right, Brian. These red dots are a great way to keep older shooters or people that, you know, their eyes change in their 40s. And all of a sudden, Mm -hmm. they're like, you see them trying to read something and they're trying to find that sweet spot where their eyes can focus. And when your pistol is punched out on target, sometimes that front sight is not your sweet spot. So the red dot um, and, you know, just seeing the the rear sight or the front sight in the notch of the rear sight can be a challenge as well. So dropping that red dot on there, good to go. So uh, shooters, their option before in sports like Ipsic and USPSA, if they couldn't see their iron sights, was to jump right into open. Well, the open division is, is very competitive. And so some of them were intimidated by that. And the fact that the guns cost between four and $12,000 is also cost prohibitive for some people. So now they could take a production gun, drop a three or $400 red dot on it. And, uh, and that's it. There's no need for all the other bells and whistles. And, and you can still shoot factory ammo. You can't shoot factory ammo on a 38 super, let's face it. So yes, it's a good you thing. A, you need a 38 super factory. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, but and I'm sure that the trend is going to follow just like uh, rifles and the uh, optical sights will become the norm as opposed to the uh, the outlier. Absolutely. Yep. Yeah. We'll see so, special forces guys with um, 
uh, red dots. Once they've been proven that, you know, you can uh, throw them out of a helicopter like a communist and uh, they survive unlike a communist, uh, you'll see that they get adopted uh, for sure. Yeah. And then it'll just be the norm. It'll just be regular people will be doing it all the time. So, yeah. okay. Well, that was interesting. Now we should actually get to what we did in guns. So I guess I should go first because um, I'm first in the notes. So uh, I got to the range on the weekend, got out the 1022 and did some offhand practice. Uh, thanks to Rick and the, um, the guys over at the Canadian Pre- Precision Rimfire series for producing me a target that I needed just that day. It was awesome timing. So that was good. So, and I'm working with the journal again and just starting to slowly get rolled into the service rifle season. So that was cool. Uh, and then on the weekend, I did something crazy. We actually recorded an episode of Modern Rifleman Radio. You did. We did. Now, with Ming, was Ming on? Ming Ming was there. Uh, Jay was there. And then a funny thing happened. Kevin? I edit, I edited. No, Kevin said he was busy um, from doing hard stuff all weekend and he needed a night off, which I thought was good yeah. for him because yeah. he, he does too he much. Spent, spent the day with Kelly. Thanks a lot. No, no that was not it. <laughs> no. I'm not was, saying what he did because he was arming. He was okay. Well, I didn't want to say it. anyway. Um, so yeah, we did that. And then I edited the audio and I posted it up and then I didn't tell Ken that the file was there for him to do something with to post it. So <laughs> my fail, I fell apart on that whole send the message part. So uh, now he's had it for a couple of days. Why he hasn't posted it since then, I don't know. But anyway, because it's Ken. there should because there should be an episode of Modern Rifleman Radio in the month of February, maybe. Because <laughs> Ken, <laughs> no, eh, the guy's busy. So anyway, that's that's about it. That's all I've done. That's that's all I did this week. That was a lot still, though, for you. Well, recording an episode of a different podcast is kind of cool. Yeah, and it's your own podcast, so... <laughs> Sorry. Mm, yeah, sort of, kind of. <laughs> Does anyone really own podcast? I don't know. Anyway, yeah. it, is, it is how it is. Trevor, what did you do? Um, I got to uh, close the store down last Friday, which was cool. He had to, uh, normally I don't work Fridays cause he closes the shop on Friday. So it's really not worth my time to drive all the way out there for a couple hours. But, um, I kind of, he was going out to teach a firearms safety course or hunt. Yeah. Firearms ed, non-restricted firearm safety course. And so I went out to close the shop for him so he could leave and get that done. And while I was there, somebody that I know uh, through Ipsic um, brought in an RCMP Colt new service revolver chambered in 45 Colt. So this revolver belonged to the owner's father, who was a member back in the day when they carried Colt new service revolvers. And when they were done with them and changed firearm, I don't remember what they went to after this one, did maybe something in 38 for a while before they, anyway, um, they were able, the members were able to buy their revolver for 12 bucks. Oh yeah. Yeah. So, um, the problem is the trigger doesn't return. Yeah. So you, um, if you put it in single action, you press the trigger, it drops the hammer, but then the trigger doesn't return. So I disassembled it and I can't find any broken parts. That doesn't mean there are not some worn parts, but given the look of the revolver, I don't think it left the holster very often. There's The bluing is in excellent condition for a revolver this age. There's not even any like holster wear marks on it. The, there's It's just in really, really good condition. So 
I'm having a hard time to fathom that there are internal parts worn out. It was rather greasy. So I think that the grease has just become old and congealed and was locking up the mechanism, I think. So once we um, clean all the parts and inspect them, I'll reassemble it and see if it functions. I'm looking forward to that. Sold my last gun safe since I've got a uh, walk-in gun room now with a steel door and locks and all that good stuff. I got rid of my, my gun safes that I was using. And um, then right thereafter, I ran into a, a roof leaking problem and have to tear everything. I like turn the heat off up here. And so I'm pretty concerned because condensation comes from rapid temperature change, does it not? I'm not a scientist, but, you know, if it goes hot, cold, hot, cold, right? That's what I thought. So I guess I'm, I'm okay that my guns are kept in the cold, but I keep meaning to like wipe down all my blued guns with, with oil. And of course I'm out of ballastol, but I want to cover them all in oil, the blued ones anyway, to prevent surface rust from forming on them and put some oily patches down all the barrels until I get my um, room attic situation sorted out. So yeah, that's a, a kind of stressful. Um, and then my Daniel Defense lower parts kit arrived from the Red Deer Shooting Center. And uh, they threw some little extra goodies in the box for me, which is awesome. So shout out to those guys. And um, shout out to somebody at the end who wrote a note on my uh, invoice. And uh, I either have the last of my SLR and Kitty Cat parts here, or at least on order. And my Kitty Cat, Kitty Cat was simply supposed to be an upper. And uh, yeah, it ended up picking up a lower i got a good deal on a lower worked out a deal with a listener of the show mark Giroux for <laughs> sold him a nork lower and he never even got around to turning it into a gun and bought himself an upper and a lower uh wait tammy if you're listening he didn't buy anything he won those actually to be fair and be 100 percent accurate in my information he didn't buy anything he won stuff and i'm buying something back from him for more than i paid for it so mark's mark's winning on all fronts Ooh, that was close. Oh, and Tammy, ammo is free. Um, so, what else? It's yeah, not so just, that lower. Not just for her, for all the wives and all the wives, uh, all the spouses, all the spouses. Ammo is free. Ammo is free. Yes. Yeah, and 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 if you do buy a gun, they're only two hundred dollars. Yeah. So yeah, my greatest fear is that I die, and she sells these things for what I told her they were worth. Don't worry, we're going to make sure that happens. <laughs> Christina, <laughs> there's a new deal. <laughs> There's a okay. new deal. I've got a Facebook conversation going with the um, Atlantic Canadian FOs. Most of them are in there and we go back and forth all the time. And um, one of them wanted me to adopt him so he could be in the will, blah, blah, blah. And uh, anyway, here's how it's going to be. We're going to have a 1980s style WWF cage match. And everyone who wants the guns in the cage, last person standing, this is open to everyone who wants them, male, female, children, whatever. Everyone who wants them get in the cage. Anything goes. We'll sign some waivers and stuff to make murder legal in, under this particular, within these circumstances and context. And uh, yeah, last person standing takes them all. Instead of me saying, Brian, you can have my STI and Kelly, you can have my 1022s for the for the Maple Seed program. Screw all that. Just, just fight to the death and winner take all. I think it's, it's firm, but it's fair. Um, and then right before the show, I was working on Adriel's 1911. Um, we got the uh, slide dovetails cut for his um, Dawson sights. And we were, you know, told Chinese Narinko steel, Chinesium, it's actually an element on the periodic table. Chinesium can be like inconsistent, super hard or not. 
it wasn't like the metallurgy while he was cutting the dovetail, it would be like super hard to cut and then super easy on the same cut. So um, this stuff is just goofy. The Andy tuned the rails. So to get Adriel's slide on, I used, had to use the lapping tool that locks into the front of the uh, where the barrel bushing goes and some lapping compound and got that done. So now the vertical fit uh, is great. There's no up and down play in that slide whatsoever, but the horizontal is disgusting. It just wobbles back and forth. But good news, the barrel uh, hood it fits tight and the barrel inside the bushing fits tight. So it should be both accurate and reliable because it's a, a little bit on this. I hope it's going to be reliable a little bit on the sloppy side. So um, I didn't like the way the trigger felt before we cracked his slide. The trigger felt better than it does. Now uh, I took those trigger parts out and put in a set that Andy and I did a job on when I was down there at captain Andy's place after uh, Christmas uh, still not really liking how it feels. I had the trigger bow nice and loose in the frame and it's a little draggy right now. I'd like to run the stone through it again, but I got to get this thing in the mail to him because I've had it for like 18 years. So, um, yeah, it's going back in the mail tomorrow. And I found his maple seed sling. That was ridiculous. I searched and searched. And while I was searching, I had, I had lost track of it forever. Didn't even know it was here. And then I found it. And then I put it with some paperwork for some IPSC stuff that I was doing that had to go upstairs to the gun room. So I was like, well, it'll be in the gun room. It's a small space. It's not Toronto. I will find it. You think I could lay my hands on it? No freaking way. I've seen your gun room. There's no way you're going to lay, lay your hands on anything. in there. <sighs> Get too much stuff in there. It's generally better than this. But anyway, in the end, you know where it was, Brian? It was in a, a staples bag with photocopy paper on top of the printer. I stuffed it in there to get it upstairs. And so I'm sending Adriel all these desperate messages like, I don't think I'm going to be able to send it. I've looked everywhere. Christina has looked. I can't find it. I found it. <laughs> With, uh, I was looking while leaving a, a, a recording, took my thumb off record, found it, and then hit record again. So like the two messages were literally seconds apart. It's kind of funny. So, um, yeah. All right. Adriel's got a bunch of stuff here. We look forward to hearing about next week. What about you, Kelly? What have you been up to? I went to SFRC on Saturday and I bought myself a new Crossfire Red Dot. Yay! They're on mm. sale and I got them at a really good price as well. And I also walked away with a whole bunch of swag as well because they got some new stuff in. I got a t shirt. Actually, it's a polo shirt. Nice. And a cup, or sorry, mug, all kinds of different stuff. So, anyways, so yeah, they gave it to me. Um, yeah. So, the crossfire red dot i'm going to put on my new ar and just because of the fact that you know i'm i'm going to have a scope but i'm also going to have the red dot too so i'm going to anyways uh what else have i been doing uh working on prizes for the charity shoot uh, yeah we're going to get some of those in it looks like we have some... so if anybody wants to have prize or wants to contribute to the charity shoot and the prizes contact me here at slamfire radio at gmail.com but Jay Hines and I have been uh, chatting about it, so it's uh, it's going to be good this year. Uh, what else did I do? And not much. That's that's pretty much it. I didn't go to the range because it was horrible. Although it's getting nicer out, so like Brian, I'm going to be able to get to the range. I think this weekend. That guy from Corth called the shop again mm. and told told Denis that he was going to sponsor the the maple seed at the charity event. And I uh, told Denis, well, I'm trying to actually go, you know, work, go past that. We don't want him to sponsor this one event. We want him to sponsor, you know, 
maple seed. Well, I so, <clears throat> so um, we are so the Ely guy is actually Quarth. So we are we're already partners with Quarth from out in Alberta. So I was able to send him an email. Well, look at me in my glasses, sir. Anyways. <laughs> I wasn't kidding before. <laughs> so I was able to send him an email, and we got together on that. He figured it out that uh, Korth is already a sponsor for Maple Seed, but he does want to sponsor the uh, event in 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 um, New Brunswick, and he cool. also wants to sponsor the event that is the charity shoot too. So, which is awesome. Oh, sweet! So I'm uh, getting. I just submitted the email actually before I got on the show. So. Uh, suddenly, Minotaur, who is from England, who's watching. Hello. Hey, there. Yeah, he's. Yeah, I just saw that. Cool. Yeah, just thought I'd say hello. And Cor er, and Cody McMillan, who, uh, you know, thinks Brian is greasy. Well, Brian is greasy, and I just got an angry <laughs> text from Mark Zerubbabel, Brian. Oh. What did, what, I, I don't even know what you said or or what you said to to uh, Mark, but I know he wants to call and hang up on you. Oh, that might not be angry though. That might be just he wants to play that game. Oh, Co Cody is just mad because I actually spent some dollars outside of the Calgary Shooting Center. Yes. So I guess I'm a greasy commie. <laughs> what are you going to do? Life's like that. Okay, yep. uh, let's get into upcoming yep. events. And the biggest one in the list is the one I'm not going to. You guys are running it, so why don't you guys just talk about it? Okay. Uh, all right. So uh, just the highlights, um, we can announce the charity this week. Yep. So uh, this year's charity is going to be the Dahlsie Regional High School Breakfast Program. So it is a local charity, obviously, and it's my high school. So um, the breakfast program costs about $8,000 a year to run and is run, um, depends completely on uh, donations in order to um, buy enough food to feed the students for the year. So um, with that in mind, uh, that's going to be the charity and um, looking forward to helping the kids at the school that I uh, indirectly work at. I'm a member of that staff, but I run my own facility for that school. So I'm um, pretty excited about that. Um, what else? handgun classes sold out and we've got one person on the wait list so right off the bat that's a guaranteed one thousand five hundred dollars to feed children how awesome is that we haven't even look we're months and months and months away but we already have people committed to donate fifteen hundred dollars to charity and learn how to be more gooder with their handguns so that's pretty exciting maple seed shoot um, registration is going to come out shortly so yeah. stand by for that Right now, 20 spots. We'll play with those numbers if we can, based on the size of the range. Kelly and I are looking at that. Um, that's the, you have to register for that, but you don't register through Slamfire. You register through Maple Seed. We will keep you informed as to when that's uh, up and running. Day three, July 7th, is the actual charity shoot. Registration is at 9 a.m., so you show up, you get your name, and you... Um, get your score sheet. We're going to put all the score sheets on one sheet and you just carry it around with you. And at the end of the day, we'll take one score sheet from you and tabulate all the scores. Um, it's, it's competition, but it's friendly competition. There's no grand aggregate winner or no grand winner. There'll be winners uh, for each event. We're looking at a plaque for first place in um, the events and then medals for, for second and third in the events. So there'll be a mini steel challenge, which you can shoot with pistol from 22 caliber and up or 22 rifle. If you don't have a holster, 
and you would like to compete, we will uh, set tables or barrels at the stages and you can bring your firearm to the line in a case, load it under the instruction of a range officer. And when it's time to go, you'll pick it up off the barrel and shoot your targets and then unload it, show it clear, reload, put it back on the barrel. And when you're done, you'll unload it, put it in the case and go away. Um, and then around a trap, around a silhouette, barbecue will be smoke on the water. And then we will open up a rifle range and a pistol range where you can just plink and have fun and chat and try each other's guns, etc., and relax and get lots of shooting done. Uh, that it, guys? Anything? I think that should be. I, Those just, are the highlights. To re- just to reiterate, people don't need to pre-register for the charity event. It's a show up and pay and. Right. Oh, okay. right. Yeah. Correct. Because we're not going to get that many people. Um, Afraid, you know, if we hit sixty, it'll be uh, it'll be a new high, a new record for the charity shoot held in New Brunswick, and I'm hoping we hit sixty. Um, but uh, you know, it's nothing we can't handle that morning, right? Give so us your name, your address, your money, and here's a score sheet. Show up then. Mm-hmm. I, I think sixty. I think is very doable. I I think so. Yeah. Um, the, the locals are more familiar with it than ever um, because they keep hearing about it. What's the thing that's been going on and I missed? Oh, well, when's it coming back? So, And we have a heck of a lot of people traveling, like a yeah. heck of a lot of people. You have a lot of people so, from Ontario and Quebec, people yeah. from the U.S. that are coming up as well. So, We got Americans? Yes, you do. Mm. You have one coming from Texas, right? Oh, you have a cup. Maybe, never mind. Yeah, we got Matt from... Um, Matt and his dad, Matt Wendell, from um, the International Liberty or Death podcast. Right. And Sticks is talking about coming. Yes. And uh, Ryan Sheets is asking me about rental cars and what airports to fly into. He keeps going on about his knee. Yes. Brian, I don't know if you know this, but you're not going to walk to Canada. (laughs) Okay? So I don't want to hear about your knee anymore. If if Sticks and Edith comes, can you guys find a moose for her, please? This time, yeah, actually, yeah, we're going to <laughs> shoot a moose. I'm not saying to poach a moose, <laughs> but I'm saying poach a moose. <laughs> <laughs> it's not the right time of year to shoot a moose. We can't oh, shoot a moose. I know. July. So, but that would be wrong. Everybody yeah, be. except Edith. Every everybody saw a moose except for Edith, and it's just like it's so sad. Mm, it's funny. Um, okay, uh, I want to talk a little bit about the Ferlacci class for a sec, Kelly, if that's okay before we move on. Absolutely. Uh, thank you, Kelly. <laughs> you sound a lot like Brian. Um, so Ferlacci Fundamentals will take place um, July 14th and 15th. Uh, fundamentals on the 14th, beyond Fundamentals on the 15th. Uh, things are slow to fill up, so if you're in the class, promote it to your friends. Um, I'm going to say we're going to Bonneville again. It, with some emails flying back and forth today, it looks like we've secured Bonneville again. So if that's going to play a factor in your decision, the range will be Bonneville. Um, Matthew is supposed to join us on March 22nd to discuss the course that weekend so we can cover it in detail. We're also going to bring on a couple of former students to get their impressions of the class, what they liked, what they didn't like, and um, help us promote it. So maybe if you have any questions um, between now and March 22nd that you'd like us to cover during that episode, what we will teach you, curriculum, all that kind of stuff, the equipment you need, um, let us know. And uh, let's, let's get this thing sold out. So it's 200 bucks a day. And there's lots of place left. 
Um, so let's uh, let's try and get this sold out so we can get out there and put on another great class. Awesome. That's it. Cool. All right, let's jump ahead to the news. Oh, Kelly's not, not the lead host. You are. That's why I asked Kelly, but it's you lead host, and that's why you answered. That's yeah. funny. <laughs> Sorry, Brian. Anyway. All right, news. Um, Stanley acquitted. That's all we need to say about that this week, I think. Uh, yeah, this week. But let's let's say that we've invited Dave Young from Caps Training to come on and discuss the finer details of the uh, case. He can comment on it with some authority and not be too speculative. And um, so that'll Question. be, yes. You, so normally he gets called upon to do um, some testimony at, at cases that have this sort of thing. Um, He's testified as an expert witness. Right. Yeah. Did he testify at this one? Do you know? No, okay. I don't. I don't think right. so. Okay. It would be awesome if he did, then he would really have a lot of insight, but yeah. Um, yeah, I'm going to make sure that I read up on it because yeah, Brian, Brian, you've been following <laughs> closer I, I, than, than I have. I, I have. And I've, um, I, f- I find several aspects of the whole scenario, uh, fascinating. W- one of the things I find really disturbing though, is I cannot find a consistent narrative as to what actually happened during the, the incident. Mm-hmm. And it seems to be, uh, there's a lot of misleading information being produced by newspapers and that sort of thing. Right. Well, um, imagine that. I, I read I read an account um, this this week that really made um, the the people who were involved in the incident to, to one side to be seemingly perfectly innocent. Had you know uh, they were on their way to church and were doing nothing wrong, and it was it was very heavily biased and very different than what I've read from the court case. But at the same time, I'm also reading stuff in the in the court in it reported from the court documents that just okay, I don't know, I can't even follow what your narrative is. Have you read the paragraph you just wrote? Because it makes no sense. You're, mm-hmm. you're gibberishing. So yeah, yeah. Any any time um, a young person is shot, there is um, an aspect of society that comes to that person's defense and tries to paint them as an innocent victim. I have a problem with calling a 22 year old a boy. Mm. Um, okay. I've seen, I've seen the person's Facebook and, um, uh, this does not look like a choir boy to me. And there was, uh, if you look at, yes, what was some of the testimony in court, there was drinking going on and was there not a loaded weapon in, in their vehicle, Brian? I, but there was a weapon in the vehicle, whether it was loaded or not, I don't know. Oh, okay. All right. But they, they, you know. There was alcohol involved and a weapon and trespassing and attempt, attempted thievery. Yeah, there's and there's some other details of, of what may or may not have happened that I, I've heard. I've sort of gotten hints of, but nothing concrete to say, yes, this definitely happened. And it's yeah. Um, and then there's, you know, the, the actions of the um, of the now acquitted Stanley. And, you know, were they justified or not? I'm not hundred percent sure. And we'll talk about all those things with, with Dave Young. Cause um, yep. yeah. Okay. yeah. Yeah. We don't know much about it. We don't know. There's two sides. Well, there's three sides to every story, right? There's yes. oh, yeah. Well, no, it's, yeah, absolutely. So, so we'll get a little bit more information. I'm going to read as much as I can about it. And yeah. Yeah. It's been, it's been very interesting. The, the I think the, the real takeaway is that there's no winners in this situation. Anybody, n- nobody who is involved in this won anything. Nope. 
And that's usually yeah. what happens. Nobody yeah. wins in this. So completely horrible for everybody. Yeah. So um, is it a win for self-defense advocates? I d- Here's the reality. I think that it is, but in some ways it's, I, I need to read the whole entire thing, but I also know that um, the crown might appeal it. So, yeah. And, um, and okay. I got one final comment. Uh, I'm reading articles about people in the legal profession concerned with comments from government officials. Yeah. Mm-hmm. The gom- yeah okay. The- you know what? Sorry. I have to say it, but doesn't the ruling Justin Trudeau had no business saying anything about it. He should have kept his mouth shut. Sorry. Just had to say it. Why are you Sorry. That's how you feel. Because she's Canadian. That's she's. Well, right. <laughs> that's how we talk. Yeah. yeah. It's just you know. Yeah. No, no, I agree with you, Kelly. And it doesn't matter whether what what he supports and doesn't support. He needed to keep his mouth shut. He had no yeah. business saying anything. This is a side of Kelly that I enjoy seeing, and I don't see often enough. No, you don't. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, I I, I, um, I certainly wouldn't feel very good as the acquitted um, to have the prime minister of the country say, "Yeah, you're you're guilty." Yeah, isn't that nice? Yeah, that yeah that that's that tells me that the PM does not represent me as 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 that acquitted person. Yeah, well, so. we already yeah, well, I I can say he already uh, he doesn't represent me, and I haven't been acquitted of anything. Um, and uh, yeah. I lost my train of thought. Anyway, yeah, he did, yeah. yeah. there's there's. There's better ways that the PM and the Minister of Justice could have expressed concerns, right. um, or say that they they understand both sides of things and they're they're going to investigate, and that that's fine. But the way the wording that they chose was horrible. So, yeah, or they could have just did what Kelly suggested and zip it. Yeah, that's not. But that is not our Prime Minister's style. That is not the, our Prime Minister. The style. reality is, he's very supportive of Aboriginals and Aboriginal yeah. rights, which I actually, which he darn well better be. Yeah, yeah. Um, no, it's, it's fine. and I understand that as well because that's one of the that's where I am with with my profession, what I'm doing right now. As am I working with Aboriginals? However, um, yeah, when he, anyways, he needed to let it play out. You can actually express it. You know, I. I there and exactly what Brian said. There's no winners in this, right? Yeah. So, anyways, my dog wants out. Um. So I'll let you guys go on to new gun stuff. I'll be back. Yeah. So uh, <laughs> yes, but Kelly said he's he's Prevent your puddles. Yes. That's, go ahead. Kelly said he's a strong supporter of Aboriginal rights, uh, as well he should be, and all Canadian politicians need to be. Yeah. First Nations people were here first, and we have treaties and. But uh, uh, this is not a, a First Nations issue. This is not an Aboriginal issue. Maybe some of the issues um, that led them, there there are some issues that led them to be where they were that night and, and attempt to steal things, whatever. Um, there are some socioeconomic issues that exist across all Canadian reserves. And, but the, but to, to, he didn't get shot because he was Aboriginal. He got shot because he was in the wrong place at the wrong time doing something he shouldn't have been doing. That's why he got shot. And his First Nation heritage has nothing to do with that. So when they, like, if I would have been there with Brian and Adriel, one of us would have been shot. 
it, it doesn't it's if we were doing the same things that the yes yeah yeah I, yeah, I, yeah he, I didn't, he right. didn't shoot he didn't shoot this man because he was first nations he shot this man because there was four of them and he felt threatened and or, or certainly there's property. there's or certainly there's no evidence that he did anything racially based we right. but i i haven't seen anything that yeah. that would Per, you know, say that. Uh, so yeah, I want to read more about it so I can understand what exactly. Yeah. We, but yeah, there is there is no justification for being on that person's property, and yeah, and I, again, you know what? There are some other things that you know the whole thing about well, the gun just went off and all that. Well, you know what? Maybe. Anyways, that's I, I and and I, I find too, right? I find the the case also interesting technically interesting from that aspect right. um, just from the gun nerd aspect of things so um, I'm trying to really look and it, it's, it's it's relatively easy for me to be very impartial because uh, I'm not a rural landowner in Alberta um, who feels that they're being preyed upon by criminal elements and that they have the, they have no means to have police there in a timely fashion to to address things and and solve the problem so um, it's yeah, I, I'm, I'm, I'm pretty far away from this situation. So, um, I can be impartial. I think I'd like to think I'm being impartial. So mm-hmm. I hope. it's going to be, be a really good show. You know, it's possible. It's possible. It's good. Okay. So okay. for us not talking about it, wow. We've talked <laughs> about it. All right. Let's get into back into the stream of the show and talk okay. about new gun stuff. Um, I'm going to take the first one here, if that's cool with you guys. ATRS, Alberta Tactical Rifle, is now um, releasing upper and lower build sets. So you can now get like modern varminer, var- modern hunter receivers, I believe. Is it hunter or varminer? Uh, I don't know. Uh, I'm just looking at the feed here on CGN and I'm not seeing. Yeah, it goes to the last page, not the first page. So I'm going back oh, to the first oh. page. Modern Varmeter style, upper and lower. Modern Varmint style, yeah. So it looks like it's the Varmeter, which is the 223. Right. So hmm. I have questions. Shoot. Sure. Same, same questions. Same questions I had about. Um, the BCL 102 when they started to sell receiver sets, I was always initially wrongfully under the impression that the BCL 102 was much like Alberta tactical rifle supplies rifles in that a lot of the components were proprietary and made by them for their rifle. I since learned that no, the BCL 102 is compatible with AR 10 parts, much like the SLR is compatible with AR 15 parts. I know this rifle is not compatible with 100% of the AR-15 parts. So I'm going to buy their receiver. I'm going to buy their um, upper. And then how many other parts do I have to buy from them in order to complete it? Yeah, I don't. I don't know. You might as well just let them build or buy their basic rifle. They they sell one rifle that's $2,700, and it's their... It's their uh, their production rifle, if you will. It doesn't have all the bells and whistles. It's, mm-hmm. it's the one rifle they build and stock and sell. If you want to order a rifle, they're pretty much kind of like a boutique where, okay, build me this. I want this handguard. I want this stock. I want this barrel. I want this. Yeah. You know. 
Yeah, yeah. I, I think the, the advantage would be for somebody if they already have parts laying around they want to use, they already have a grip, they already have stocks, they, they yes, but they how have many bear. which ones? That's well, fine. yeah, no, I, I understand. Um as but it's still gonna be cheaper than paying ATRS's time to source the parts and put them on and all that. You can do that yourself. So some people will want to do it this way. Mm-hmm. Um there, there's a, a bit of a myth there, though, Brian, uh, and I commented on CGN about this, where somebody said, it's cheaper to build an SLR because I already have all the parts. Yeah, well, but you've already paid those, those. Unless yeah. those parts were gifted to you, you have to factor in those part, the cost of those parts in your build. Like, you know, if I took one of my airs off the wall and stripped the parts out of it, yeah. those parts still still have a uh, a number attached to them. Yes, and then I've, no, and then I've got a stripped air that I can't do anything with. Yeah, no, no, for sure. Um, you're right, but it's it's perceived as they don't have to cough out more cash. They've already spent Upfront, the money. Yeah, they're reusing yeah, yeah, money yeah. they've already spent. I I think that's yeah. Kind of I know. I just, yeah. Yep, I get that. All right. Uh, anybody want to take the next one? Uh, uh, the next one. Oh yeah. It's the Dominion Arms. It's the Magfed back. It's the Dominion Arms backwoods pump action shotgun with detachable mag, and it's in four ten. Um, yeah. So, Magfed. Great shotgun. Um, uh, do we put this twenty five dollars? Yeah, it's not terribly expensive, but it's, it's a on, on pump action four ten. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Whatever. Okay. Cool. <laughs> Well, what's cool? What's cool about this is we're season um, falls into deer season, and you, so you've got one mag with slugs and one mag with birdshot. Yeah, I suppose. Yeah. Okay. Cool. Thanks for. We're giving it to you. I, I will not turn down a gifted firearm. I I will, I will not. I will take them all. Okay. All right. Next one. The uh, and B and T. I always sp- say that wrong. Is it? How do you say that? Their their first, the the actual name of that company. Is it <laughs> Burger and Tomat? I I don't. Anyway, so they've got their AG GMH nine, which is basically a submachine gun looking, uh, semi-automatic like pistol. Yeah, it looks like the CZ Scorpion Evo. Yeah, that kind of thing. Yeah, it's you know a pistol caliber carbine shorty thing. And it's got a restricted FRT now. So. Mm, yeah. So, uh, yeah. No. If I'm going to buy a pistol caliber carbine, I've got too many non-restricted options in Canada to buy one that's restricted. Yeah. 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 No, this is... It's just for people who just want something different. Yeah, it's and it <laughs> is. And it's cool. It's a it's a submachine gun all day, every day. It's it's cool looking. Yes. Except it's not a machine gun. It's a sub-not machine gun. Sub not machine gun, yeah. <laughs> also, um, if it doesn't share a pistol mag with something, enjoy your five yeah. rounds. Like I wish that CZ had made a version of the Evo to take the CZ seventy five mag. Yes, even if they just made that for. I mean, they took the trouble to make us one with an eighteen and a half inch barrel for Canada. Would it have been that much of a stretch to make one for us with a pistol mag? Yeah, you know how no, much I... more they would sell. Well, I don't know if they sell a lot more, but I'd have one. I don't, yeah, you know, and I'm just reading through the comments and, and this is a, uh, this does not have a pistol variant and does not have a pistol magazine. So you're limited to five rounds. So yeah, not at least the evil is non-restricted. Yeah. Okay, cool. 
And the last item we have, Iron Guns is bringing in. Hey, wait a minute. That didn't go to the right place. Pierre Mar 30. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Hey, it didn't go to the right one. Yeah, no, the, the link is wrong. Uh oh. All right. So, yes, I'll just do a quick a, search on CGN. That's a Caltech product, right? The Caltech. Yeah, unfortunately, PMR, yeah. Yeah, it's a PMR 30. It's a 30 round in the States. It's a 30 round pistol that shoots 22 mag, I think. Yep. Yeah. So, Toby had one. Toby, remember Toby? Oh, did he? Okay. Yeah. So, it, so here's a pistol designed to hold 30 rounds of ammo. And we get it in Canada and it holds 10. Yep. It's yeah. such a crime. Uh, I really, yeah. I really, 20, 30 rounds of 22 Magnum in a handgun would be a hoot. Yes. Now, it, now you mentioned that the mag- magazine thing. There was a, a, a letter that came out today or, or an, an, an email from uh, CS- CSSA where they were talking about magazine capacities. Yep. And there was a couple of police forces in Canada that uh, officers have lost magazines. Uh-huh. Fell out of their pouches, whatever. And they were appealing to the public, if they find the magazine, please bring it to the nearest police station. That's great. Police magazines are prohibited devices. Yeah, um, so I'm going to so, get caught driving it to the police station. Thank well, you that, very much. That's exactly right. Um, so the, the police are technically telling you to break a law, or they're saying, huh, people who aren't police who have a full capacity magazine isn't a big danger to society. We're happy to have them bring that back to us. That would be great. Huh. How, how does it work guys? Wh- which is it? Is it, is it a really dangerous thing or not a dangerous thing? You, you can't have both ways. There was a certain group of correctional officers who rented our range and left one of their HK mags on one of our props. And it kind of got crushed with a sledgehammer. I see. <laughs> Nobody even wanted to take it off the property. Oops. Yeah. No, I can see that. Yeah. So I'm looking at this PMR 30 and it's right away. I see the same thing that I see in all Celtic firearms that I don't like. And it's two pieces of plastic clamshell together uh, with nuts and bolts, just like a toy gun. Yeah. See, that's where I think their, their new bullpup is different. I don't think it's all clamshelled together with a, like that. It is a common well, Celtic, like the RDB, and not the RDB. The um, what's the thirty? What's the three weight they have? The RFB. Yeah. The RFB is um, looks like it's a Celtic, but it looks like it was made by somebody other than Celtic. So if the RDB is like that, then it should be all right. Yeah, I think it's. I think it's okay. Cool. Alrighty, so that's it, and we'll get on to our main topic. Joining us this week is Dustin Lang. Dustin is a prop master out in British Columbia. Dustin, I'm not even really sure if I know what a prop master is, but uh, I've got a pretty good idea. I'm going to let you explain it. Welcome to Slamfire Radio. Thank you. Uh, Thanks for having me. Oh, it's my pleasure. Um, You've been listening for a while, yes? Yeah, absolutely. For the last couple of years, pretty much nonstop. Awesome. So let me, uh, I want to get this out of the way right away because I know that listeners are dying to know. Um, are you the one responsible for putting AR-15s without rear sights on the set of The Walking Dead? Is that your fault? Uh, no, but very funny funny that you bring that up because I was literally talking to the props master of Van Helsing uh, this afternoon about exactly that because season two, it's all over it. Uh, but I know there's a new guy taking over this year for at least that show because I was like, you need to deal with this or else I'm going to take your job. <laughs> <laughs> Good. I, 
Yeah, I actually I actually threatened to call his boss and try and take his job because it's actually driving me crazy. It should drive you crazy. How does so tell us what you do and then tell me or tell the listeners how a mistake like that happens. So let's start with who you are, what your involvement is with guns and the film industry. Okay, so yeah, my name is Dustin Lang. I'm props master in Vancouver. Uh, I do film, television, sort of a little bit of everything. Uh, I've got some series and some other stuff under my belt. Um, a props master is not just responsible for guns, which is contrary to a lot of uh, popular opinions. Anything that an actor touches or you know is mentioned in the script or could in any way be potentially my problem becomes my problem. So if they're eating it, if they're drinking it, if they're, I mean, even silly things like license plates on cars, that's all my problem. And uh, so usually on a on a standard on a standard short show, like I have, I'll have a, like a props list breakdown of sometimes eleven, twelve, thirteen hundred individual items that I'm going to be responsible for over the course of a show. Um, so, you know, guns can be a small part of that or on, you know, on a, like a show like, you know, The Walking Dead or even, like I said, Van Helsing or anything like that, they can become a key point, in which case it's going to be something I'm really going to focus on. Um, I, I did a show a couple of years ago, The Marine Five, and that was heavily firearms related. And I had, you know, nice breakdowns with every character, every single weapon that they were going to use over the course of it. Um, in which case, you know, I hand that information off to my my assistant and to my onset props person, and they're going to sort of try and abide by um, what I've laid out for them if I'm not there on set every minute to supervise. And that's the reality: is that a props master is not necessarily there uh, every minute to supervise. We have an entire team that works for us. Um, you know, I have usually a crew of four at least um, doing different jobs. My onset props person is the person who's going to ultimately be handing off that stuff on set to an actor. Uh, but in reality, a screw up like that starts with being my problem and someone down the line should have caught it. Unfortunately, the reality is, is that the reason it doesn't get caught is because most people, even in this industry, um, don't know a whole bunch about guns. Um, like we're required to have our firearms licenses. It's, it's a necessity uh, to be in props within any of the unions. Um, Outside of the unions, like doing non-union shows, not necessarily, but I don't know any even non-union show where like your props master wouldn't have the, at the very least their gun license. I have my firearms business license on top of it. Um, gives me a little bit more leeway as far as handling, you know, replicas, uh, prohibited devices, things like that. Um, again, like the Marine Five, you know, we had things like knuckle dusters and, um, you know, there was like a World War II trench knife that was potentially going to be a thing. And even though it didn't end up in the movie, I still had to get it and show it to um, producers and just being able to do that instead of being like, well, I can't legally handle that. Uh, is a, yeah, that's so Dustin, do you also have what's referred to as a theatrical armors license? Yes, that would be the one. So with that theatrical armors license, can you tell the listeners the kind of toys that you're allowed to have that we're not? Uh, if you can dream it, I can have it. Technically speaking, one, one, one gunny friend of mine called it the full meal deal as far as a firearms license. So, um, my firearms business license lets me, uh, be in possession of, have everything from prohibited devices. So you're talking about, you know, again, knuckle dusters or suppressors. Uh, we don't really usually run real suppressors because they can be really dangerous, uh, when you're running blank rounds. Um, we, I know that there was a team in Toronto actually had one explode. Um, so usually, you know, when we're running low powered, uh, blank rounds anyway, we just generally just use full suppressors, but technically my license allows for that. Um, fully automatic, 
uh, short barrel handguns, prohibited devices like uh, replicas, because we run you know exclusively replica stuff wherever possible as well. So um, you get called to a job and yep. the script calls for AK-47s. Yep. Your theatrical armor's license allows you to have AK-47s AK yep. in your possession. You can test them, all that good stuff, take them to the range. How do you acquire an AK-47 in Canada to then rent to a film set? Well, for, for myself, um, I for a lot of that stuff, I still go through. We've got uh, most... Uh, Toronto and Vancouver both have um, basically like armory hubs, if you will. There's a big company here. Uh, I won't mention their name because I know that they don't love being public about a lot of that stuff. Um, and there's another one in Toronto where a bulk of that stuff comes from. There's also, um, I technically can, had a whole conversation with the CFO about this, I technically can own some of that stuff so I can rent it out to a production as well. Um, but it, at this point in my life and just because of where I live, it's sort of prohibitive, um, the storage requirements uh, and the, the constant monitoring. So for me, I rent from an armory if it's anything super crazy, big or heavy duty, if I've got, like, if we got tons of machine guns going, we'll usually have a dedicated armor, bring that stuff out, it saves me time and stress as well. Mm. Uh, but it all comes from sort of central um, armory companies, if you will. Neat. And yeah, but like I said, um, there's, there's a few of us, like we can technically own, a, own and possess. Um, I haven't jumped in that pool myself as far as, you know, AK-47s and things like that because um, I'm trying to avoid the the storage hassle as long as possible because there's there's a caveat of 24-hour uh, monitoring, a couple of other things that uh, I have just been sort of avoiding. Next year or two, I'll probably dive into that just because I can. Yeah, I would definitely start getting prohib handguns. Oh, with, yes. You know, yeah. handguns. Yeah. So, I mean, stuff like that, uh, the, the prohibited devices, that's the, where it is really, really nice. Um, there's the, just the ability to handle and possess that stuff, um, without a lot of hassle is huge because I can't tell you how many times I've been in a production meeting and they've asked for knuckle dusters, which seems like something simple, but you try and tell a producer and before I had this license, try and tell a producer, I legally can't possess that even to show you it mm. because I will go to jail. So, yeah. So, what have you worked on that uh, was kind of mainstream that most listeners would know about? Um, super mainstream. I haven't done anything really crazy mainstream. Uh, most of my stuff has been like to video stuff and DVD. I've actually got Marine Five DVD in front of me because it was, I don't know, my name's on it. That's entertaining. What is it? Sorry. Uh, a movie called The Marine Five. It was a Marine, film in the Marine series. Yeah. Uh, we shot that one last year, and that was. That was the most machine gun fire I've ever done on a single show. Nice. Yeah, we, I think we spent like $50,000 just in ammo, which was great. So, oh, man. Yeah. So how does one become a prop master? Tell us how you, how you got into this business. So very hilariously, completely by accident. Um, I, I actually I went to the U of S to, uh, for mechanical engineering. That's, I'm from Saskatchewan. Uh, and I studied mechanical engineering at the University of Saskatchewan, realized I did not want to potentially sit in an office working on CAD my entire life. Um, when I got out of university, I did a couple months as an EIT, an engineering training, and I worked in a, one of the sort of saddest environments I think I've ever been in. There's like the cinder block room with, you know, taupe walls and fluorescent lights with a, an engineer who'd been working there for 20 years, signing off on all of my 
paperwork in. So um, made the conscious decision to move out to Vancouver. Had some other stuff go on. Um, I've actually, uh, unfortunately, suffered a gay bashing in Saskatoon, which was the final straw, if you will, to get me to move. Um, so uh, after that, I moved to Vancouver and decided to uh, pursue film. I went to film school. I thought I was going to be a camera operator when I got out of film school. And uh, it was it was a sheer fluke. I was doing like some camera stuff. I had my own videography company. As I said, I've uh, done some video stuff for the CCFR. I've done some video stuff for Rod. Um, that's actually how I met, met Rod was uh, when I was like done film school running my company is I, I offered to sort of help tweak some of the stuff he was doing in YouTube at the time. And uh, we became friends that way. But um, it was a pure accident. It was someone I went to film school with who was doing props on a show. And they needed to take four days off for a dentist appointment. And they were like, can you can you come cover for me? You've got your gun license, right? And I was like, yeah, yeah, I'm, I can do all that stuff. And it turned into a career. I did a good job. I ended up getting hired for the rest of that show, a bunch of other shows. A couple years later, my uh, props master ended up disappearing. And I got, um, he, he went on to something bigger and I got uh, a promotion. And I've just been doing it ever since. That's awesome. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, so it's it's been kind of like a, a learning curve that way because like I didn't get into this business or to this job intentionally. It was a complete accident, and I've just sort of been acquiring things as I've as I've realized I've needed them. Um, you know, I, there are some things I probably would have done maybe differently. I would have definitely applied for my business license earlier than I did. It was like a two year process getting that sorted out. So, wow. Yeah. Interesting. Well, part of that's also because there's they had some issues a couple of uh, like four or five years ago with people working in film who weren't necessarily working in props, but got their business license so that they could have prohibited stuff, autos and things like that. Mm -hmm. And uh, some articles came out courtesy of the CBC and the RCMP really clamped down on that license. So, yeah, you're the only other person I know of one other person who who has it and. Um... I don't know how much they actually work in it, but they do have it in case, you know, something comes yeah. to town. They He could be their guy. He either has what they need or can source it. Oh, exactly. And then that's kind of that's kind of my goal, too. Like, it's not something I don't I don't work with guns every day. Like the last show I did was a stupid, you know, TV movie. And um, I mean, it was just something to pay the bills. But uh, sometimes a gun license isn't completely necessary. But the day that it is, it's nice to have and it's nice to be that guy that has a little bit more information in that regard. As I was saying, a lot of props people don't know a lot about guns. I've been hired on shows because producers or PMs know that I do. Hmm. Yeah, yeah. So you're actually, um, you're a double threat. You're a prop master and a theatrical armor. There are guys out there that just have the theatrical armors license yeah. and they just want to get called to set when the when script guns. calls for guns. Exactly. Yeah. And for me, um, that's that's the one positive to having that license and being that way is that instead of having to pay someone seven eight hundred dollars a day and I think that's usually where, whereabouts the theoretical armor's uh, armor gets paid on a day to day basis they can pay me my flat rate and I can bill them an extra two or three hundred dollars for the day as an armor and save them five six hundred dollars. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so you're going to get called upon and get more work, but Absolutely. you're gonna, you, yeah, and you'll be known in the industry as as the prop master who's also the theoretical armor. Yeah, and they won't have to call some guy who's never been on a movie or film set before and doesn't have a clue which way is up. 
Well, and that's that's a big problem, and that was what was the big motivator for me when I went after the license in the first place. I was doing a uh, again, it was like a small like detective TV movie sort of deal, and the the armor we had out was somebody that was he was exactly that. He's somebody you call out. He's a your budget armor, not one of the the bigger names. I know some amazing armors in town, by the way. I gonna gonna say that there are some great armors in town. Uh, again, I won't list their names for their own reasons, but I love them. They're all great friends. Um, but there are also some really terrible ones. And the one on that show I got into a yelling match with because in he was he was trying to show an actress what was going to happen when the gun went off and he so he discharged a firearm without telling anybody it was going to happen, which is oh, geez. on set and a huge no no. And like it, you know, for me that's at the end of the day, it's my responsibility. Regardless of the fact that he's the armor on set, he still works for me. He's still part of my my sort of supervision. And mm-hmm. it was a big big ordeal. So um, that was the motivator. It was like, I, I can do it better and I can do it safer. Hmm. Brian, you were going to ask a question. Yeah. Well, I think he, uh, he actually answered my question. Cause I was, I was curious as to how do I get a license? <laughs> you know, how do I get myself in a position where I can go buy machine guns and, and prohibited firearms with a theatrical license you what, what are what <laughs> but what are the actual requirements that you have to meet in order to 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 attain that license um like for, for myself i i ended up doing just like a, a huge submission submittal of of everything that showed i had a reason and I've, I've actually wondered this because i know a couple of people who just have their theatrical armor license and i don't know how they ended up with it for me like i, I had to submit um like uh, my union, uh, my union status, and things like that—that that I'm like listed as like an IATSE 891 props master. That you know, here's uh, a record of all the shows that I've done. Here's um, I also was thankfully uh, because I do a lot of business with um, uh, one of the armory companies in town. The guy that that owns it, um, you know, he's been in the business for 30 years, and he sort of shepherded me through the process. And he also is, you know, he's on first name basis with our local CFO, so he was able to sort of give his input as well as a recommendation. Um, so like all that stuff came into play and there was still, like I said, background checks and more information that was submitted and more information that was submitted. Um, my, like my business had to be vetted. Like I, um, I had to submit my actual business. I like ended up going through the whole, um, CRA process, like before my business was just sort of like a side business, but I went through the whole business registry process. This is, you know, what I do. This is a whole thing. There was a lot of steps. So it's not yeah. something that somebody just does on a whim. Hey, I'm I'm just going to apply for this so that I can have prohibs and and full autos. No, I they, right now you definitely need heavy justification for it, and and even mm-hmm. then there's vetting done. But uh, I think back back in the day, like ten years ago, even yeah, I would say you could probably get away with it. But just looking at the process that I went through, I don't think you could. Okay. Yeah, all right. I'm, I've already lost interest. <laughs> yeah. And the other person who I know has the theatrical armors license was a dealer first. Right. Right. So. And that was, that was the other talk was like with the CFO. He's like, when you do get into, cause you know, I've, I've had a couple of conversations with him now. He's like, when you do finally get into purchasing some of this stuff yourself, it's like, you realize you're going to possess it forever. And I was like, yeah, that's a thing. Cause like, I've got lots of guns. I, I do. I'll put that out there. I, I've, I've been a collector for a long time. Well, I've been an enthusiast for a long time, not a collector. Uh, and, but all this stuff I can technically sell if I, you know, decide I don't want something, I can sell it fairly easily. But when you get into the prohibited stuff, um, that's not the case. Like you can only sell it to people with that license, with that, you know, purpose. Right. So, yeah, you can, yeah, it's yours forever until you sell it to another armor. 
yeah, but then I have to find an armor that wants it, an armor that wants to pay me for it. Yeah, um, which, yeah. yeah. Everybody's yeah. looking for that armor who's going out of business. Yeah. Yeah, that's so right. They can yeah, bend them over. To, yeah. yeah, you have to find someone who's looking to increase. Oh, I already have three of those. I don't need to buy yours. Yeah, that, exactly. that kind of thing. Yeah. Exactly, yeah. So, uh, so Dustin, um, you touched upon the uh, rookie who discharged the firearm on set without warning anybody to show the actress what would happen, um, which leads me into my uh, my next question: Who teaches the actors how to handle the firearms? Is it the armor? Do they have fi- sometimes hire a firearms instructor? You know, how do we ensure no teacup grips as well? <laughs> and super bent elbows. It doesn't work that way, though. Apparently, because I see a lot of teacup grips, it drives me nuts. So, yeah. So on on a, on a bigger show where there's uh, an actual budget, yeah, usually we'll we'll bring in an expert. Again, like I said, um, I reference said armory company in town. They they have a couple of armors that have been in the business for 20, 30 years, and we're most of them that I that I can count were all servicemen for that. So they have some technical experience as well. Um, usually on a big show. Uh, we'll pay them for a day or two to take the actors out and teach them how to, you know, properly handle handle those guns in that in that circumstance. I know um, our main actor on the Marine Five. We didn't have to do that because he did the Marine Four, and he we had, they just paid for that like a year before. So you know, we brought him in, did a quick like one day just sort of run through, just a reminder, a refresher for him. But most of that stuff he was already used to because he'd he'd already done that. Um, on a on a sort of medium to smaller budget. I've actually been the one to do it. So um, I, I did another show that's coming out on Netflix this year called Action Action One or Action Number One. Um, hilarious story about Nick Cage's stolen comic book. Um, uh, yeah, that's a hilarious, hilarious tale. Uh, it was a really fun movie, really fun movie. But um, we had this, uh, this actress who was playing this super badass bounty hunter um, slash assassin, and she'd never like seeing a firearm let alone handled one and she had to be able to handle a whole bunch so production paid me for a day paid for all my ammo we went to the range and we um i ran her through a whole bunch of guns that she was going to be handling on sets and i wasn't going to complain about having ammo paid for and a paid trip to the range so no of course not i've got a i've got a third hand story that's along the same lines of a friend of mine used to be in that industry and uh, was working on a pretty major film I, i won't name names but the film had a a bear in it that was pretty prominent um <laughs> and um they flew the actor in from wherever he was in california and flew the armor in um yeah. to fire a flintlock musket yeah. once twice and then they were done off they went did so, it have yeah. a lampshade on it uh, no it did <laughs> not have a lampshade on it no no not the movie i'm thinking then no, no, it was a more recent Oscar winning movie. Oh, that yeah, yeah that one. Yeah, that one. So, yeah, I actually, yeah, actually no one of the armor is on that one. But um, yeah, no, but the, the, the really funny thing was, is that um, I, 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 I'm really hesitant to say this. Actors are the dumbest creatures on the planet sometimes. Um, I, I think you can embrace that statement. I know. <laughs> and yet was, they're out there telling us how to live. Oh, it, it drives me crazy. Like again, in this in this particular circumstance, you know, bring her out. We spent like a good probably eight nine hours at the range, all day, and then like literally two days later, we're on set, hand her exactly the gun that she had just been running. It was just a shotgun, and just asking her to just rack in a load. She's like, I I don't know what to do with this. Really, you you pump it. Can you pump it? <laughs> pump it for me, please. Come on. Yeah. 
You can do so, this. Well, some well, of them, some of them are great, but some of them are yeah. Well, well, okay. And and Dustin, how often do you do run into uh, actors who are familiar and or proficient? Um, major pr- primary actors rarely. A lot yeah. of the uh, a lot of the backgroundy guys um, will have a lot more experience with it, especially anybody that is in the background that you're, you know, hiring to like shoot a machine gun or something like that. Odds are they've done that job 20 or 30 times because they've been that background guy 20 or 30 times. Gotcha. Um, was, uh, to me, it was, it was so funny. Uh, like, again, I I'd go back to like the Marine or even um, action where we had a bunch of background people all knew how to run their guns fairly well. And then, you know, you get, you get main actors, you have to like teach them how to do it. In the Marine, we had a, a squad automatic weapon, like a, a saw 249 saw, and uh, the, the guy had obviously never run that before. Um, and, and it showed the first time he fired it. We completely ruined a take because it was just, um, he, he wasn't used to it. And honestly, he was laughing the whole time. So the take was ruined. But hmm. yeah. Okay. So um, super interesting stuff, Dustin. But let's talk a little bit more about you. Um, um your involvement in firearms you you come from you know uh hate-filled rural saskatchewan apparently um oh, yes. so good on you for getting out of there um, <laughs> not that all of saskatchewan is bad but every every province i suppose has its backward places yeah um what was your introduction of firearms like um hunting sport shooting and what are you into now what do you what do you what do you do with your firearms prim- primarily competition blanking what are you up to Oh, great. Um, so yeah, so I, I, yeah, like, like I said, from small town, Saskatchewan, um, I grew up kind of around guns as anybody in small town, Saskatchewan does. That was just a normal part of life. We had gun magazines in the school and nobody lost their mind. Um, you know, on the weekends, literally it's so funny. Cause like, I think about what me and my friends would do just running around town with even our pellet guns and stuff like that. And like downtown, like small town, Hepburn, Saskatchewan population, 200 people. Um, we'd, we'd, we'd have, we'd have the police called on us if, if that was happening. I think about kids getting busted for stuff that we just was normal. My, I had my next door neighbor, um, we had like magpies that were up in one of the trees and they were annoying both of us. So he's like, Oh, come hop on my roof. Here, here's a 22 shoot them. Cause he's like, my eyes are gone. Just shoot the magpies. And, and I did. And when my mom came out, her only concern was that I'm careful on the roof, you know, that <laughs> beautiful, like, that's. That's how I grew up. Um, so a little, little bit different than, you know, maybe someone who grew up in downtown Vancouver or something like that. I, I was lucky that way. I got to have a very free life. And uh, I, as much as, yeah, I grew up in hate-filled Saskatchewan, I did get a lot of experience that a lot of people my age don't have living in a city. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, my grandfather was really big into guns. My mom actually wasn't. And uh, I mean, she, she was, she'd grown up with them on the farm. She knew how to, how to you know, cycle the firearm but she wasn't big into them um my grandfather was however and so that's where my hunting experience came from um any of my interest in shooting he actually bought me my first handgun when i uh, got my r pal um so he was sort of the my the shepherding me into the the firearms community if you will he was he unfortunately suffered what a lot of people did during the reclassification he lost a whole pile of guns just due to you know not having information that the reclassification was coming that he could change his license to keep some of this stuff um so and he was a like he was a uh like a proper veteran and that was that hit him hard the it sort of 
negatively impacted him, and I got a lot of stories from it as a result. And I, uh, um, that that's sort of what sort of sparked my interest in sort of advocacy for firearms as well. Um, I, I remember there's there's a, there's a story. Tell me a hundred times. Uh, he had a little Liberator pistol. I don't know if you guys are familiar with the Liberator. Yeah, yeah. Um, you know, so really? I think that that's yeah, yeah. And I think that's you know that gun in and of itself, just just the embodiment of it. And I think like to him it was, and I think to me it feels like it is too. The embodiment of why gun control, as it sits, uh, is bad. The whole concept behind that gun was that um, people in France had been disarmed and you know so you hear you got these really crappy guns being stamped out literally by the millions as a as a means to provide someone a way to rearm themselves and uh so i think there's some irony in him having that actually uh, confiscated from him isn't there though yeah yeah and uh so yeah and that that you know that sort of bittered him a little bit for the later years in life i was informed i would never be serving in the canadian forces so i have not uh, I, I have I have friends that are servicemen. I have a lot of respect for the Canadian forces, but uh, yeah, my grandfather would spin in his grave if I had ever uh, signed up myself. Um, but yeah, and uh, so I've been shooting kind of my whole life. Um, I didn't shoot a whole lot while I was going to university, just a lack of time. And uh, yeah. when I yeah when I got out of university, um, like I said, I worked as an EIT for a little bit. Um, made one bad decision one night to uh, go to a club. And when I left the one sort of gay, gay club in Saskatoon, Saskatchewan, um, had uh, its, its primary entry and exit in the back, uh, outside the back alley. It was a means to protect those people. Um, however, when I, was, when I left and I took another back alley as I was uh, staying on the other side of the river, um, I ended up in a back alley. I ended up uh, getting uh, jumped by a couple of people who uh, did not appreciate my orientation and yeah i i still have some scars and some i guess personal trauma that i get to enjoy as a result of that but um i just what, what year was that dustin uh geez that was, uh, was 10 years now so 2008 2007 2008 so it wasn't it's not like it was 20 30 years ago that no exactly still alive and well eh yeah, yeah. Uh, i think yeah. the thing the thing for me that really struck me was how disinterested the uh, Saskatoon police were actually uh, really? in the situation afterwards too it was unfortunate they're they're not they're famous for not being super interested in things like that um, which assaults is in general or uh, assaults of that subject yeah touchy subject stuff um, and and that was basically you know what 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 we got to it, again like I was I was actually staying with my grand grandparents at the time when I was living in Saskatoon and my oh my grandfather was lit up he's like I'm gonna go find them myself and I was like no 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 let's not end up on the news where's my liberator I was, I was exactly yeah that was that was his sort of attitude at the time I was like no it's you know I I survived it um, I do I got a couple of scars nothing super crazy I ended up taking like a a beer bottle to the face. So I've got a couple of scars on my face. That, um, yeah, but you know, dudes dig scars. Yeah. Yeah, it's true. Not, not, <laughs> not <always>. just chicks. <laughs> uh, yeah. Um, so yeah, but the one thing, and I, I, I bring, I bring it up. Uh, I, I don't love talking about it, but I, I bring it up because while that was happening, I had this, this thought, this, this, has anybody ever like locked their keys in their car or something, done something really dumb where you like, Many, you, well daily, you know, I do dumb things daily, but specifically but you know, keys well, multiple just, times, something like that. You know, you know how like time sort of slows down for a minute and you're like, 
that is right there and I can solve this problem with that thing and I know exactly where it is and I can't get at it. Uh-huh. Yeah. I had I had a moment like that while I was on the ground having my like head beat in. I knew I had a means to prevent that situation. I, I had owned a handgun since I was 19 years old. It was at my grandparents' place and had I, you know, been allowed to carry said said firearm, um, I may not have been experiencing the same situation that I did. And I just had this moment of knowing that I had the means to stop what was happening to me right then and there, and I couldn't do anything about it. Yeah, you had the means, but you don't have the right. Exactly. Um, yeah. yeah, so, I mean, those those things sort of, uh, I guess, sparked my, uh, my, my belief in advocacy and uh, my support for gun rights in general. Um, and that's only grown since I've moved out here to a very, very left-leaning place as well. Uh, so it's you know it's good and it's bad. Obviously, I lean left in some regards, but that's one area that I uh, I sit very on the other side of the fence on. Yeah. Hmm. Wow, you are not a stereotype. You don't just follow no. the narrative that the no. media would portray. Wow, fantastic. That's that's so odd. You're a freak of nature. <laughs> right? The media told me how you must think about all things already. I know. Well, but the funny thing is that I'm not alone. Like we've got there's there's a whole group of us. I we I joke because it started as a props thing. My entire props team are all like. LGBT of some variety, not <laughs> on purpose, but it just ended up the people that I worked with that I enjoyed company and we got along really well happened to be that shocker. Mm-hmm. Um, but we're all we're all pro firearms. We all own guns. I, I, my onset props girl, she weighs a buck ten, if that. Her first handgun, and this was not. Nobody made her do this. Her first handgun was a forty-four Desert Eagle. That's really yeah. <laughs> and, How's and that working out for? He handles it alarmingly well impressively well i've got some video of it it's phenomenal uh, it was i i took her shopping we went to like four or five different gun stores uh in town here uh and the one that had that thing they tried to sell it to me because it was a stupid good deal and they knew i would buy it because i buy everything and uh oh, she, boy. she uh she picked it up like before i even got a chance she picked it up uh racked that slide back one time she's like sold i'll take it oh and, uh, <laughs> yeah and and she loves it. So I mean that was that's I, so. Anyways, the the point being is that uh, our our team we call our, call ourselves Q Division, sort of as a double. Oh, that's entre, wonderful, right? So, <laughs> yeah, I like but that. It, that's, I it, like um, that too. <laughs> uh, yeah. Awesome. So it's sort of it's sort of um, turned into a thing. So like that's where Q Division. Yeah, when you need a well dressed, well armed prop crew, calling Q Division. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> Um, but it turned into, it turned into a bit of a, into a bit of a shooting club of our own. There's a, there's a little LGBT group of us that more or less sort of, again, through the Q division group, uh, like to get together and shoot. And, and, uh, we've been sort of trying to get more LGBT people into shooting because, because they tend to sit on the other side of that spectrum. So Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. wise. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and that's, I mean, that's, that's the nice thing about what I, what I do about my job in general. I make a point to at least take someone shooting every time I'm on a job. I have access to lots of very left-leaning people and that's a constant rotation. Every two or three months, I have a new crew to work with, someone new. And if I can take one new person who's never shot a gun before, who might have a different opinion than me, but maybe just an uninformed one and I can change that job. Well done. Cool. Nice. Yeah. Yeah. Sorry. I apologize. I have a tendency to talk a lot. So uh, no, honestly, this is this, this part was actually way cooler than the, uh, than the theatrical license for me. Ah, great. Mm. Yeah. 
both were good. No, uh, there's there's no point in having a guest on that doesn't have anything to say, Dustin. So I'm glad we uh, we invited you on finally. I know that we've been communicating with you off and on through email yeah. for a long, long time. Yeah, yeah, it's it's been cool. been a bit, but you know, it's it's all good. As far as sorry to answer your other question, what I do now, um, I. I would love to shoot competitions. You guys, everyone makes it sound like a lot of fun. I work 80 hours a week plus and oh. often not always Monday to Friday. Um, like yeah. this last show I did, we worked six day weeks and I was, so I was working all Saturdays and um, I am making an attempt this year to at least try and experience a couple of shooting competition stuff. I've got everything I need for it. Um, believe me, I have more than enough firearms and everything else in the world. Uh, it's just a matter of time. So uh, one of the one of the local field officers, who's a buddy of mine, he's he's dragging me out to Steel Challenge next Tuesday. So I'm going to try that. That's nice. a great way yeah. to start. That's yeah. it's a lot of fun. Yeah. Um, and and Dustin, I, I'm going to throw this at you. I, I'm going to burn you a little bit. Um, I am now that engineer who's been in the office for 20 years. Yeah. I get to go shoot competitions. Just saying. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I know, but <laughs> but have you have you shot Deadpool's guns? <gasps> oh. Shut up. I, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Everything's a competition. I I, he one. wins. I lose again. Damn. Yeah. I, I, I actually do have a video. I have video evidence. I have shot Deadpool's guns. Um, I'm one of the few people who can say that. So that, I, you know, there you go. <sighs> All, right, All right. So it was a perfect time to wrap it up because we are done. That's, uh, that's the end. Way to, way to end on that note, Dustin. Good job. Cool. Not sure if we'll have you back or not after that, but uh. <laughs> uh, no, thank you for having me. Anyways, guys, I appreciate it. Love listening to you. It'll be hard listening to this episode. That'll be sad, but nonsense. It'll no, be fine. It was awesome. Yeah. Anyway, uh, look thank forward you to very much. Anyway. Stay in touch. And yeah. uh, I hope we have you on again sometime in the future. We'll do. And uh, definitely, uh, I, I don't know if you guys have a PO box or something, but send me an address and I will send you a, uh, a nice, crisp, new uh, 41 Action Express round. I certainly will. I'll send that to you by email here shortly. Sweet. All right. Thanks, Dustin. Have a good night. Thanks. Thank you. You too. Bye-bye. All right. Bye. That was cool. Yeah, That was an excellent interview. Um, I Well done, Trev, for bringing Dustin on. That was fabulous. Yeah. Uh, no worries, man. Um yeah. Yeah, I was glad he he connected with us again. That was uh, was better than I anticipated. Cool. All righty, let's get into listener feedback. Yes, I'll take this one. Okay. If, unless one of you really wants to read the email. No, take it. Cheers. Okay. All right. Cool. I. It's not so long, so I can handle it. All right. Hey guys, I really enjoyed the interview. That's what she said. Sorry. <laughs> All right. All right. We're going to start over without the interruption because the, the, maybe the, I should say the comment again because I kind of talked over you and I'm not sure if people actually heard it or not. You and know it was what? A good I, one. This, this listener took the time to write in. They deserve to have their email read clearly without interruption. Hi, guys. That's, I really I enjoyed the interview with Adam and <laughs> <laughs> from Atlas Gunworks and would like to try it at 2011. Do you guys have any recommendations as to a model in, say, the $1,500 range as the Atlas guns are a touch out of my range here? Is hmm. there a caliber you would suggest to cover three-gun and IPSC shooting? I see a lot of 40 and 38 Super, so I thought I'd see what you guys thought. Thanks, guys. Craig N. Trevor, take this one. The uh, It's going to be difficult to find a $1,500 2011 um 
I mean, the the go to 2011 is the blued STI Edge, and then they just get fancier from there. And right now, the Edge I think is over three thousand dollars. Um, so you know what? Why don't I look it up real super fast because it'll come up on Freedom Ventures website right away. It'll probably be the very first link. Um, it's kind of the 2011 that all of the 2011s are, are measured against. If if um, if that well, you know, the DVC Limited is four thousand three hundred fifty-two dollars. That's uh, probably the best factory produced 2011 right now. After that, you're looking at the Infinities, and then after that, you're looking at the uh, the Atlas Gunworks. Um, let me see here if I can find the cost of the edge. It's not going to be um, as much as the DVC limited. That's for sure. But it's still going to be in the, what did I say? The DVC limited was 4,000. You said three, three. Yeah. The limited. No, are you sure it wasn't 4,000? Okay. Maybe. I don't know. I stopped listening. Just kidding. <laughs> Here we go. The Edge. So the STI Edge right now is $2,719 new. You find one used. It's going to have some work done to it. It's going to have a bunch of mags. The guy's still going to want to spend. still going to be asking in the 2000 range. Um, look at a double stack para, I guess. It'll get you into a double stack 2011 style frame. The paras don't have a full length of dust cover like the STIs do. So you're losing that, that weight up front. Remember Adam was talking about the gun coming back to zero. So uh, other than a pair, I don't know where you're going to get a 2011 style or a double stack wide body gun for 1500 bucks. Hmm. And it would definitely be in 40, 38 super uh, is reserved mostly for the open gun guys. Um, and you couldn't shoot 38 super in Ipsic standard division. It's not a recognized caliber in that division. So yeah, keep your eyes peeled for a, uh, for a used one, I guess. Uh, is there a caliber you would suggest to cover three gun and Ipsic? I would use nine millimeter for those, but if you want a 2011, you're going to be shooting a 40 or uh, a 45. I know one of my buddies, uh, the guy who got his, single stack Atlas gun, his edges in 45. Um, I believe his catchphrase is 45 because your black belt is stupid <laughs> is what Steven says. So God love him. That's all I got. I hope it helped. Cool. If you'd like to send the, an email to the show, send it to slamfireradio at gmail.com. iTunes reviews. We got nothing new. Uh, nope. Cool, that's quick then. Nothing even from the evil pod bean. Okay, Nothing that's from fine. evil pod bean either. I checked before we Alrighty. came Alrighty. No. All right, let's get into the shout-outs. Trevor? Stan at True uh, North Arms. No, sir, you rock. He, he took the trouble to put a personalized note on my uh, invoice and said that I rock. So I don't know if he's a listener or why he thinks I rock. Um, I'm assuming he must be a listener. Otherwise, 
all of his customers rock. Maybe he just thinks all of his customers rock. Maybe I'm not special. I'm a little upset now. Well, thank you anyway, Stan. <laughs> I like how this turned out. <laughs> this, this works for me. <laughs> Kelly, go ahead. Uh, no, I don't really have one. Oh, maybe. oh come on. Okay. Come so I just wanted to say hey to suddenly uh, Minotaurs for watching from England, I guess. Although yeah. He's gone to go make tea, so he says nobody do anything while he's <sighs> doing that. So I wonder what time it is there. Cause time for tea, like, apparently. It's eight, well, eight hours difference, I believe. Okay. I'm not going to do that. He is. So it's, it's, e- wow. It's late. He's, he's an early riser. Or he's, yes. Yeah. So. Crazy. Yep. Good for him. Um, for me, Lance, if you've gotten this far in the episode, we owe you a thanks and a reminder. Nobody forced you to listen. Ah. So on you, but <laughs> alrighty. Patreon supporters, we are at 78. We have no new ones. Um, uh, Nope. Being a Patreoni gets you access to stuff. Exclusive, <laughs> ex- exclusive content for one. We're about to record a oh, episode. As soon as we're done here, we're going to record our Patreon episode. You won't hear that unless you're a Patreoni. And you get, you swag. get swag. What, Brian? Swag. 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 Get some swag. And you get, to, uh, you get that warm, fuzzy feeling deep down in the cockles of your heart, knowing that you're helping support the, the the crew, you're making sure that the show is done without costing us money, and you're helping get uh, Kelly out west to shoot gophers in the face. You're getting Adriel out east to come to the charity shoot. I don't think Adriel's ever left Alberta, ever. He has not gone anywhere except for that one time he lived in China. So help Adriel experience worldly things and travel and get hey, him Except east. when he went to Ontario last year for the charity shoot. And that's the only other time. Other than that, like he's never left Alberta. He's never been to Atlantic Canada. He's never eaten a lobster, guys. Come on. Oh, yeah. We should do that. See, I and forget Adriel about- has a Adriel has a list. I don't know if you guys know this, but Adriel's eaten a lot of things that would repulse the stomach on a rat. Like it would really, it would actually give a rat, you know, indigestion. Adriel will eat it and then eat the rat who has indigestion. He'll eat anything. And he's got a list and there's some funky animals on that list. And a lobster should not be on that list because lobsters no, are delicious. Exactly. I haven't had a lobster in a long time. No, come home. Well, uh, eh, I'm hungry. Charity shoot. I can't come. Leave me alone. Lame. Yes. Uh, yeah. Reality sets in. Did Jay Hines is going to be here. That's weird. Usually, usually where he goes, he drags you with him. Hey, this is true. Yeah. Oh well. He's a big boy. He's a grown-up. He is that he's, indeed, and a grown-up. <laughs> yeah, he's, well, okay. I look f- I look forward to seeing him hug Gallon. <laughs> Where did Gallon go? <laughs> <laughs> it's just, this is true. Will you guys please wake up Gallon for me in the official charity shoot wake-up fashion? With the air horn? Mm-hmm. Uh, whatever, yeah. <laughs> you got it. And then, then right. is the time I literally open the tent, and drug him out, open his mouth, yes. stuff some Tylenol. <laughs> I'm not going to the range. Not acceptable. You are coming to the range. Open the tent, pull him out by his ankles, stuff Tylenol in his mouth, throw a water bottle at his crotch. I'll be in the truck. That was one of my happiest moments watching that happen. All right, cool. Let's sign off. Uh, Listeners, please join one or more of our national firearms associations, such as the CFR, the CSSA, or anything else you think is a good use of your money to support. (laughs) 
It's important to support. I want to join them all now. He's not allowed to do lead host <laughs> no, anymore. No. <laughs> it's important to support those who support us. Get shooting Ipsit. Take a maple seed challenge. Shoot a three gun match at a local club. Bust some sporting clays. Get out hunting. Blast some F range, some F, some long range F class targets, and shoot some service conditions. Check us out on Gun Owners of Canada. Send us a message. We'll respond. Give us a like on Facebook. Right now, we've got 1,842 likes. That's a lot of likes. 1,842. Yeah, we, that was a good year. It was a good year. We picked that's up when like you were nine born, Kelly? this week. Oh, oh, Kelly. That's, you, can't, you can't hear that finger on audio, but the listeners saw it. <laughs> or the watchers saw it. Never mind. All right. Thanks for listening and watching, everybody. It's been fun. So if you have any comments or questions for the show, please send an email to slamfireradio at gmail.com. Now go grab a gun and shoot something. When the talking is over, it's time to get a gun. forgot that we were still live. I just yeah, caught hi, myself. Everybody. <laughs> <laughs> I was going to make bedroom jokes.